You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Cavalry Audio. I'm Clint Emerson, and welcome to Season 2 of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. She is a screenwriter, director, producer, actress, philanthropist. She plays a serial killer in her film, Me, You, Madness, a comedy which she wrote, directed, and starred in. Last month, she completed a filming on her latest role in a psychological thriller, Out of Hand, in which she stars opposite Billy Baldwin. And she's married to Steve Mnuchin, whose signature is probably on the money in your wallet. So, without further ado, welcome to the show, Louise Linton. How you doing? <laughs> Thank you for that lovely introduction. <laughs> yeah, I try. Um, yeah, it's awesome to have you here. Uh, thanks for coming on board. Where are you right now? I'm in LA. Oh, in LA. All right, cool. So, and you uh, are in, I'm guessing, Dallas? Yeah, I'm in the North Dallas area. I haven't and spent much time in Dallas, but I'd really like to. Yeah, you should. Texas is its own country, as you know. And yeah, uh, how did you how did you end up settling there? Uh, I'm originally born and bred in Texas. I grew up overseas, came back to the states, joined the Navy, became a SEAL, and then uh, when I retired from the Navy, you know, came back to Texas, which is you know it's the best country on earth. What? Um, so where where were you? You were in Saudi Arabia. I was. Look at you doing research. Like, who the hell am I talking to today? You, yeah, know, I, what I, you know what I think <laughs> so interesting? You're more interesting than any of the guests you've ever had on your show. I mean, we need to interview you today, not me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not nearly as interesting as you are. <laughs> You're doing a good job already. Um, so, yeah, go ahead and take over. Put me through a scenario. Okay. Um, um, actually, what uh, was it like? Briefly, just tell us what was it like growing up in Saudi? Uh, well, I mean, I've been very honest in other interviews. Um, it kind of played a huge role in 
how I became a SEAL because as a kid growing up in Saudi, which is the most extreme religious state, you know, you could live in, I grew up kind of saying, I hate these people. I hate these oh. people. Um, but it was because of how they treated my mom and my dad and the culture in itself. But you grow up, you know, and you become an adult and you realize, well, that's just culture, right? And you don't have to agree with it. Um, it's just how the world is. There's different places with different philosophies and the way they do business. And whether you like it or not, it's theirs. And uh, right. so, but, you know, part of the uh, passion to become a SEAL definitely started when I was a kid. Uh and to go back over there. And at the time it was the immature, Hey, I want to come back and kill these people kind of thing. But then when you get older, once again, you realize, no, I just want to go and represent my country and, uh, you know, do the greater good. It's so interesting that you say that I spent, I spent a very short period of time in Saudi. Um, and I was there during the time that my husband was in the administration and, um, you know, I've had my fair share of um, hiccups, you know, in the media, and I didn't want to have any hiccups abroad. So I talked to someone that knows all about um, protocol overseas. Yeah. And what he said is, when you go there, you should be covered neck to foot, but you can wear a beautiful pantsuit. You can still look like you are representing your own values. Um, which are British American. And so I did that. And um, I felt at that time, I went in, I think, 2017. And I could see that things in Saudi seemed to be changing a bit. There was a bit of evolution under MBS. And I felt as though women were feeling um, a, a bit more freedom. And mm -hmm. I think that I think that young people in Saudi really, um, really appreciate MBS and the way that he's making changes there. You know, women can drive there now. So, yeah, uh, but that's a, a really interesting place for you to grow up. No, it was. And, and it was much different in the 80s than, you know, it is now. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. They, they've evolved, but it's slow moving for them. It you is, know? Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, all we had was Pepsi, Pepsi Cola, you know. And uh, they didn't have Coke because Coke, you know, was, yeah. uh, you know, it's a whole Jewish thing, right? They just won't allow anything that's related to Israel or Jews into right. the country. Sears products, Coca-Cola. I mean, it's insane. But, um, you know, it's uh, but I think now they have Coca-Cola. I think they have some other things going on. And uh, no they, booze. Yeah, no booze. They, that's why they built the causeway. They go to Bahrain because Allah like, can't can see I them. Where can I get a cocktail around here? They're like nowhere. <laughs> yeah, right. well, Forgot it's there. The <laughs> There's a whole underground world there, I'm sure. I or know, you just, I know. I think there probably is. I'm sure there probably is. Although I've not seen it myself. Yeah. Um. So as mentioned. We're going to jump into a rapid fire, which now allows me to direct some attention towards you since you've been so good about <laughs> directing it towards me. Good job there. Um, but this is all about you. So I'm going to put you through a rapid fire. I'm going to give you two choices and uh, and then we'll circle back around to the top and you kind of give why you picked what you picked. OK, okay. are you ready? I don't know, but let's go for it. All right. We'll see what happens. OK. <laughs> Americans or Brits? Brits. Oh, um, Boris Johnson or a Nikolai, uh, what is a Sturgeon? Can't even Boris. read my own writing. Boris. Bo wow. Boris. You're picking, you're picking the opposite of what I thought. Okay. Rangers or Celtics? Uh, Rangers. Rangers. Good one. Ah. You've done your research. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
All right. What about Robert the Bruce or William Wallace? Oh, that's not fair. Uh huh. That's not fair. I can't answer that. That's like Sophie's choice. Well, you got to pick one. Robert the Bruce. Wow. Okay. Um, whiskey or bourbon? Whiskey. <laughs> okay. Uh, Loch Lamond or Loch Ness? Neither, because they're pronounced Loch. Loch. Okay. Loch. Okay. okay I'm going to go with Loch Lomond. Loch Lomond. Oh, did I print? I totally butcher shit on this show all the time. Okay. You've, but you've just butchered everything. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads to your movie. We'll, we'll get into that. Okay. Glasgow or uh, Edinburgh? Um, Edinburgh. Ed Edinburgh. <laughs> 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 all right. You know Sofa. What? I don't think yeah. you're going to survive this podcast. Yeah, I know. I'm in, I'm in Texas. I got. We pronounce things completely different. But okay. Um, sofa or couch? Sofa. Yeah, we'll circle back Someone's around. Someone's watched okay. my movie. I, I'm not sure it was you, but someone did. Someone did. Okay. Actress or director? Director. Hmm. All right. L.A. or D.C.? L.A. <laughs> I thought that was. That's the only one I thought. Of. Okay. Um. Patrick Bateman or Catherine Black? Catherine Black. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, going back to the top, Americans versus Brits. I thought you were going to pick Americans mainly because the Scottish are always wanting to get rid of the Brits. Well, actually, um, so this is a common misunderstanding that Americans have. Um, oh, okay. So Great Britain is Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Yeah, and so people when people say the Queen of England, it makes me want to punch them in the face because she's part Scottish and she spends a huge amount of her time there. Um, and so I am British, basically is the short is the short end of that. And I feel as though I'm fifty percent American and fifty percent British, mm -hmm. British Scottish. Um, but it was interesting. So like during, um, during Scotland's, uh, devolution, uh, conversation or controversy when they wanted to devolve from the rest of Britain and leave the rest of Britain, I was very pro staying in the union because Scotland and England have such an extraordinary history together. And actually we joined, um, about, I'm going to, I'm probably going to get this wrong. I think it was around 700 years ago under a Scottish king. And so I really treasure the union that Scotland and England have. And when I was at the state dinner at Buckingham Palace, I remember um, one of the other people that was attending that dinner asking, why on the coat of arms all over London is there a lion and a unicorn? Hmm. And someone else incorrectly answered and said, oh, it's something to do with the Bible. And I said, no, it's not. Actually, it's a coat of arms that's shared throughout the United Kingdom, and the lion represents England, and the unicorn represents Scotland. So yeah. our our national animal is a unicorn. No kidding. But unicorns are real? Yes. <laughs> they sure are. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I like that. That's a good history lesson right there. I, would, I, I don't think that I've even noticed the lion and the unicorn, but uh, now I'll look for it. And you've got, uh, yeah, you are, we mentioned... Uh, you know, a philanthropist, and I know it has to do with dogs <laughs> and animals all alike. You got a little doggy on the screen right now. What's what's his or her name? 
his name is Peanut and he's a savage. He weighs three pounds and he he's so terrifying. I mean, this this kid is the bravest little dog you will ever see. People walk in with big boots on and he just goes for him. <laughs> That's awesome. Three pounds savage. Um, okay. Boris Johnson. Uh, and then I probably butchered Nicola. Uh, Sturgeon. Sturgeon. Like okay. Like, yep. the, like the fish. Um, yep. Look, I think, I think Nicola is a brilliant leader. I think that she's incredibly articulate and she's savagely intelligent and bright. Um, but she has very, uh, she's, I believe that she's leading Scotland toward a more socialist system. Mm. And, um, and I don't a hundred percent agree with all of her policies. And so, um, Boris, I, I just like him. I like him. Yeah. Yeah, he's got crazy hair. <laughs> he's got crazy hair. I mean, that's really yeah. the only reason. <laughs> yeah. um, Rangers or Celtics, and you pick the Rangers. Because I grew up in Edinburgh, and the Rangers is an Edinburgh yeah. team, and the Celtics is a Glasgow team, and yeah. it's a very long historical rivalry. <laughs> yes, it is, and uh, if that's I, why if I, I threw it on the there. Celtics, next time I go home to Edinburgh, I'd get beaten up by my own family. <laughs> that's funny. Um, and then Robert the Bruce, William Wallace. Of course, William Wallace had a great movie, so, I mean. Yes, and it was historically accurate, obviously, because... All the Scots moonied the English. They they all just showed their buttocks to the English. So I'm glad they got that accurate. I'm glad they yeah. took that accurately. That um, awesome. I actually actually I'm going to be honest here. I don't really know why I picked Robert the Bruce. Um, I've just got friends with the last name Bruce, so I just went with it. <laughs> hey, that's a good reason. I mean, um, whiskey versus bourbon. You picked whiskey. Why don't you answer that one for me? Yeah. I, I mean, I I kind of go with old fashions that are bourbon based for me, but you well, know, but you know, I'm a I'm a, a Scot through and through. So why would I ever drink American whiskey when I could drink a Scottish whiskey? That that is true. I think you guys have been uh, making it far longer than us since we're the new guys on the block. That's right. right. You are the new guys on the block, and um, that's right. To go a little step further, if I had to pick, I'd probably say Lagavulin would be my choice. It's a very peaty hmm. taste. It tastes a bit like burnt tires mm. <laughs> yeah i don't i've never tried that one but i'll be sure to add it to the list and uh you know in the states the the whiskey versus bourbon really is two different states that battle it out right you have bourbon in kentucky and you have whiskey in tennessee and uh that's the real big uh divisive i, I actually didn't here. know that yeah so any of these brown liquors made in and whichever state, then even though they're very, very, very similar, it, it switches between whiskey and bourbon based on the state in which they're made in. It's been yeah. like it's been like all the wines in France. They come from different regions. Exactly. Like, it's like, okay. Grapes. Yeah. You know, their roots yeah. extend to one another, but yet, you know, <laughs> they're different because of where they were. Um, okay. And then I, I totally butchered the uh, the two uh, the two the the lock 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 Ness or lock Lamont. It's um loch loch yeah okay loch. we got yeah I'll go with lock lock on a door. I actually don't know why I picked Loch Lomond. Um, I think that I've been to Loch Lomond more recently than I've been to Loch Ness. So yeah. Um, I felt it would be more authentic to say Loch Lomond. Is there a monster in Lomond? Definitely. 
Yeah. It's not. Okay. I think there might be one in Loch Lomond, but there's definitely one in Loch Ness. Right. Yeah. I know. Yes. There may be you, several, actually. It's definitely one of the the things I think Scotland, as far as you know, folklore or whatever you want to call it, it's known for is Loch Ness, the Loch Ness monster, and all yes. those photos. Yeah. What was those photos? Like a branch sticking out of the water, right? Or what, what was? No, it? it was it was a it was a prehistoric monster. Hmm. And it's still, is it still there today or what do you think? It is. It is. Um, <laughs> I'll have to go look for it again. I don't think anybody's done a, a, a movie on that. I they have. Right. There was such a But not a good one. one, is there? Oh, is there? there was a really good one. I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it was very, very sweet. And it was actually about a little boy um, that found the Loch Ness monster and befriended it. And it was so cute. But yeah. Oh, you know what? It does sound familiar. Yes, it was it actually it was a few years back. It was adorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, maybe What's a scary your favorite one. Movie? Favorite movie? Come on, Clint. I'm well, gonna get. We're it. actually we're actually gonna get to it, and uh, because of your movie, like like American Psycho has been a favorite book and a favorite movie of mine since it, it came out, and. Uh, and I know we're going to be hitting that hard. In fact, the first five to ten minutes of your movie with the uh, the thoughts and that whole piece, I was <laughs> like, "This is this is American Psycho." And then, right after I said it out loud to myself, you said it as part of the script. I said in the movie. Think, I said you probably <laughs> think this is a ripoff of American Psycho, and in some ways, you may be right. But this yes. is a woman's tale, and we women are having a moment right now. Exactly, you said it. I was like, oh. <laughs> I, am, I was thinking exactly the way that you, you want. You know me to what think. the most cool thing is? Brett Easton Ellis, who wrote American Psycho, has seen my movie and he liked it. <sighs> that is awesome, that, and that's I a know. huge that's a huge compliment too. I would say it's a huge compliment. Well, I mean, to be fair, I had um, I had met him a year prior, and I think it was it's one of the only two times I've sort of really been starstruck and really fanned out on someone. And um, I look back on that with with crushing embarrassment because I. Was like a little, uh, really excited girl. Oh my god! You're going to love it. You're going to love it. And yeah. I wish I had been a little cooler about it. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all. I mean, my my connection to him is through my editor of the right kind of crazy, which was my little memoir that totally great book. It turned out great. My ghostwriter, she did a great job. Her dad <laughs> was the editor of American Psycho, and wow. uh, so. Anyway, that's that's the little connection there, and um, and yeah, it, it's it's always been a favorite, and uh, so but we're going to be digging in to yours uh, here in a minute. More with writer, producer, director, and actress of Me, You, Madness after the break. Okay, so I think I already know um, the Glasgow versus. And I pronounced it Rog Einberg, but you can go ahead and correct me again. My, my own husband yeah. can't pronounce it, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we were there last week, by the way, for my godson's christening. And I was saying to him, Jesus, Stephen, you can't pronounce it wrong when you're in the city. Okay. <laughs> you have to say Edinburgh. Okay. It's like a bra. Edinburgh. 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 Ed Edinburgh. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yep, I'll still I'll still totally fuck it up. Okay, yeah, and totally then uh, yeah, you're 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 from there, so of course you had to pick it, or else you'd get your ass kicked, like you alluded to before. Yes, yes, I'd yeah. get my ass kicked. I'd get a you know a glass kick, which <laughs> is a head yeah. Love it. Um, sofa versus couch. Once now we're kind of diving into the movie. There movie. was a 
<laughs> yes, you you guys in the middle of you committing a murder, trying to at least there was a there was the debate. Well, sofa de- couch, sofa couch, right? Yes, I mean, I mean, it ended up just a sort of emerging like that in the edit. I mean, we we did have a good proper argument about it while we were on set because Ed <laughs> is Ed is English and I'm Scottish, so we had yeah. that rivalry going for us. Uh, but we had such a good fun banter that so much of the fun banter that ended up on the screen was just he and I taking the piss out of each other and you yeah. know slapping each other off and having fun. But um, he calls it a couch, I call it a sofa because you know I'm civilized, I'm not you know savage. And right. um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah. I mean, there there is no difference, right? I mean, I don't know furniture, sofa and couch. I mean, they are the same <laughs> thing, right? They're just two different words, right? They're just two different words. Yeah. Okay. But- just making sure. I'm dumb like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> actress versus director. You pick director. You So you rather be directing? You rather be kind of behind the camera? Or? I really enjoy it. And I think I'm a bit of a control freak. So it's super, it's super fun being able to be the boss on set and control everything. And um, I, um, I just... I, I enjoy I enjoy it and I enjoy the homework of it. I enjoy storyboarding. I, I enjoy learning about all the lenses and the cameras. And that's sort of my my big to do in 2022 is to actually understand um, more about cinematography and more about lenses and why I want to pick a certain lens. It's just hmm. um, it's cool. I like it. It's it's a yeah. I really enjoy it. I, I it I, it looks like I'm going to be directing another movie in June, which is an action movie. Um, you know, I love Tarantino. I love Michael Bay. I like the way they shoot their films. And um, so I'm really drawn to action and I love violence. I think it's fun. Um, it's fun to direct and it's it's complicated to direct. And it's, um, yeah. 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 Well, it's obvious you like violence. I mean, we're going <laughs> to obviously dig into that too. Um, L.A. versus D.C. You picked L.A. And that was an easy one for you to pick, obviously. So it's you know it's the sunshine and the palm trees. <laughs> yes, the weather is exceptionally better in LA than in you the D- Beltway. DC, DC is a very beautiful um, and historical city, and I've got a lot of really good friends there. But I will say, I think that um, I find um, all the politics quite um, straining, and um, yeah. It's heavy. It's a heavy. It's a heavy and serious city. And um, you know, I've got my my friends there are amazing and brilliant, and I really, really uh, enjoyed the experience of living there full time. Um, it, it was an honor and a privilege. And you know, I, I really sort of started to learn a lot more about American history than I had done before. And actually, I lied before when I said I was most starstruck by Bret Easton Ellis. I was even more starstruck by um, by the statue of Lincoln. Lincoln Memorial. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every single one of those, I, I lived in DC for a little while as well when I was in the military. And uh, I mean, I went from San Diego to DC and same thing. One, I, I enjoyed it because the culture, right? I mean, on the West Coast, there, it's basically concrete bowls that you live in. It's concrete right. from the edge of the ocean all the way to the mountains. And there's not as much culture as you think until you move to D.C. and you get to the East Coast. Then you're like, oh, holy crap, this is where all the culture's at. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, of course, you have the history of the United States all there in the district and inside the Beltway. But unfortunately, it's all very polarizing because of the politics and it, that kind it, of takes away it from it. It is. I mean, I think that I share um, I share this with Stephen that 
the thing that we really, our biggest takeaway from living in Washington, D.C. was going to Arlington on Memorial Day. And we hadn't known anybody that was that served in the military prior to our, our living in Washington, D.C. And we didn't really know very much about um, military families or what the experience is like serving in the military or even didn't possibly understand the level of sacrifice. And that was one of the reasons I was really excited to speak with you is to say, you know, it, it really is an extraordinary service that, that you gave to this country. And it's an extraordinary sacrifice beyond anything that any politician ever does. Um, but we were really humbled by the experience of Memorial Day at Arlington and um, and by getting to know lots of people who have family members in the military and also traveling and meeting um, meeting people that work uh, in the military. And it's just uh, my hat's off to you and to all of, and to all of them because it's it's an it's an unbelievable sacrifice that you make for freedom ultimately it's you're fighting for freedom and it's so thank you no for, thank you that's very kind of you and uh, yeah, I thank know that, you for being a being an actress <laughs> and, and making no, stupid I mean, dumb movies yeah yeah no you know i put my no, life in yeah. danger for 20 years but you made a funny movie so yeah, maybe. i am Let's not face, thinking what i do is stupid what, you, what you've no, done is not really at all not at all no I, it is it's extraordinary no, and you need yeah. to hear that well, I appreciate that. I really do. And, and and those that are serving and listening to the show, I'm sure appreciate it too, because, you know, it's uh, not a lot of people get it. And um, it's good that you got that experience and had an opportunity to get it. And uh, yeah. which, you know, there's a, unfortunately a lot of Americans that just don't get it. And uh, well, so if you don't, if you don't know anyone that served in the military and you don't know, if you don't, if you haven't heard, you know, what their real experiences are, then you know, you don't really, you don't really know. The other thing, this is slightly political, but I'm going to say it anyway, is um, I worked um, in a homeless shelter in DC. And what astonished me, it was a men's shelter called the Central Union Mission. Mm. What astonished me was the number of men in there that were veterans. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter which administration, the amount that we spend on our defense budget versus the amount that we spend on our vet, on our vets. It's, astronomically different yes and it, it needs to be corrected it has to be corrected and we have a massive homeless problem in los angeles and a massive homeless problem in washington dc and um uh, despite being an actress and a filmmaker and having a very nice life i have a, i would describe myself with one word i'm empathetic and i care mm -hmm. and um it infuriates me to see that you know these people who have sacrificed so much for us end up so many of them end up on the streets or unable to sort of get back into civilian life. It, it, it bums me out. It makes me cry and it makes me sad. And I wish that the people in control could, um, could do more about it. No, well, you made a great point. It starts with the dollars. And uh, when the dollars are flowing one way and not the other, then there's always going to be a consequence uh, right. of some sort. You know, we, and that's, we need to take just better care of our vets, I think. Yeah. The I agree. And, uh, yeah, thank you for that as well. Um, final piece of our rapid fire, Patrick Bateman, 
versus Catherine Black. And you, of course, pick Catherine Black, that <laughs> character. And for those of you listening, if you haven't watched American Psycho, you should. If you haven't read the book, you should. Um, they are, it's become an underground hit. At first, you know, American Psycho really didn't, you know, make any dents. And then over time, it became a classic and is still to this day one of my favorites. And the whole reason I was excited to watch yours because it has those similar pieces where (laughs) Patrick Bateman is, for those of you that don't know, Patrick Bateman is American Psycho. And then Catherine Black is the character. Uh, you, 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 it's you. (laughs) And, uh, so let's jump into this piece. Um, your, the movie in itself, I thought was incredibly entertaining, funny. It was, uh, a lot of fun. And there was so much in there that kind of took me back a little bit in whether it was, your music choices, because all of the retro aspects of that thing. I mean, who doesn't love the fucking 80s? I mean, the <laughs> 80s and the music, um, you know, there was even those parts and pieces in the scenes that had a little touch of 80s, whether it was what you were wearing or whether it was the lighting at your bar inside that that home. Um, so much of that retro piece was cool. And uh, and. For me, growing up in the 80s, of course, as soon as you hear one song, then all of a sudden I'm like right back, you know, to my uh, exactly. my pari- yeah parachute pants and freaking BMX bicycles. I was riding around oh listening. Oh, my gosh. To- I love the BMX. <laughs> my first bike was a BMX. Yeah. Um, well, you had that little one that was like the test for this guy to put together, yeah, you know. Exa- and- exactly. Um, yeah. The movie was completely inspired by the 80s and by all the films. You know, I love I love cinema. You know, I love to watch movies, but I kind of um, missed um, this. The really slapstick, silly silliness of um, like Leslie Nielsen movies or a lot of the 80s films. I mean, I, I think a couple of my favorite movies are The Naked Gun and Airplane and yeah. just this this absurdity that just makes you giggle. And um, so I wanted to make a movie that made you feel like you just can't help yourself but laugh. And this character, as much as she's sort of modeled on Patrick Bateman, she laughs at herself, which I think is which I think is really fun because I, I, I have a sort of self-deprecating sense of humor and I don't take myself too seriously. And I liked that this character was such a contrast. So she's such a boss, but she's so in control. And so typically, typically these characters are all men that run hedge funds and blah, blah, blah. And I, um, and so I, I wanted to make a woman that is sort of has male characteristics and, you know, she's like kind of a chauvinist pig in some ways. Yeah, no, and that's what that's definitely what made it even more unique and fun is you've got a female that's really like you said playing the role of what uh you know the the typical Anglo-Saxon crazy psycho person, you know, it's it's no it's it's nothing new I don't think to the public that most serial killers are like white dudes. <laughs> so Yeah, you know, most of them. Uh, there's exceptions, but most of them. Well, I think like 90% have been white dudes. Mm-hmm. Um White dudes, yeah, pretty much all of them are white dudes. So yeah, um, and I, I kind of always, and jokingly, I always compare special operations to it because there's always like, why is there so many just white dudes in special operations? Like, same reason there's so many, uh, you know, serial killers that are white dudes. <laughs> they just found the they they found the right side of the law to be on. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. 
Now, at the beginning, you know, I got to ask about the spider. Like, is that your hand? Is that a real spider? Is that CG? And then you ate it. And you ate this. You had a pet spider. Then you ate the spider. I mean, what's the deal with that? So, um, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm an animal welfare advocate. So I I wouldn't have wanted to eat Kiki. She had a, she had a name. Oh and, wow. Um, the woman that keeps her is this woman named Diana Terno, but she's a spider handler. And hmm. um, so she actually did all the Billie Eilish videos where Billie Eilish is eating tarantulas and has them in her hair and all the rest of it. Um, I'm terrified of spiders, but after that experience, I gained a, a new level of respect for, for them because um, they're, they're much more afraid of us than we are of them. And um, yeah. And they and they and they clean up all the all the flies and all the other little bugs and whatnot. So I I, I think I have in my lifetime killed a spider, but I would never kill one ever again since I since I had that since you ate experience. One. Well, since I since I worked with Kiki, I've yeah, gained yeah. a new lovely experience. Huh. Yeah, I, that, that that was pretty interesting. Good a little opener. It was kind of like the pet spider thing, and then all of a sudden you throw it in your mouth and chew down on it. Star of me, you, madness. Louise Linton after the break. You know what else I liked, and I kind of wanted to ask if it was intentional, is you almost have this this fight club aspect, the Ed Norton piece, where what I would say are Google moments, right? Whether it's a product and then all of a sudden you go through and you give the product description, you know, and I, where I saw that most was in fight club, you know, every time, you know, when he, it didn't matter whether they were building uh, an explosives and then stopped for a moment and kind of gave you the ingredients, right. With the soap or, or how they made the soap, right. It was like body fat from, you know, these cosmetic (laughs) surgeon dumpsters. But even in your movie, you kind of did the same thing. You've got like these moments where you stop and give like a product description, these Google moments. You you know what that was? It was, um, it was again, going back to Patrick Bateman. I found it so entertaining at the beginning of American Psycho when he's describing his workout routine and the creams that he puts on his face and how he doesn't wear, he doesn't spritz cologne on his neck because it's got alcohol in it, which dries yeah. his skin. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I find, you know, I, and that moment where he's looking at the business card and, you know, he's got this inner dialogue going on in this extreme rage over the fact yeah. that this other guy has a nicer business card than him. It was, it was sort of like, it was, it really sort of encapsulates the eighties in some ways because the eighties was such a greed decade and it was very materialistic decade. And so by describing, for example, the Aston Martin or describing, um, whatever else I described in the movie, it, it's, I like details. I think it's funny. And I find, I find that, um, you know, serial, this serial killer archetype, they're sort of geniuses in a way. And so they pay extreme attention to detail. And I find that funny. Yeah, it was funny. And it was, it was super cool, like kind of going through those those moments of descriptiveness that just totally enhance whatever the hell was going on in the scene anyway. Well, you know? also, the, her, I find um, people who can recall a lot of information, I, I like a savant, I find those people fascinating. And so I wanted Catherine to be one of those people that likes to, as she's as she's trying to murder someone with a crossbow or a chainsaw, <laughs> yeah. she goes, she says, you know, she takes a moment aside and, and looks into the camera and has a fourth wall breakage. Um and you know we'll describe every single chainsaw movie ever made you can get yeah. some fresh ideas please hollywood but yet at the same time she's trying to kill somebody with a chainsaw i mean it's parody right i thought right. it's, par- it's parody 
Yeah, that the weapon scene was definitely one of my favorites because you you mentioned you know you mentioned seals, Navy seals, and you also mentioned Texas, the Texas Chainsaw. So I was like, oh, I'm sold. This is the greatest movie ever. (laughs) 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 Um, Well, it's interesting because I think Catherine tries to kill Tyler with. I mean, I actually don't know the weapons count, and I know that two or three of the weapons ended up on the cutting room floor. It was a whole sword scene that I had to. It was, they call it shooting your darlings in film where you have scenes that you love, but you, for timing, you have to just shorten the movie down. Um, my, my father who is in his nineties watched the movie, uh, before I'd finished cutting it. And he said, well, the fight scene in the middle is too long, Louise. It's boring. So I ended up cutting about, um, three minutes of the massive fight sequences in the middle of the film out because dad because dad found it boring um and you know it was funny because that day was the longest day on set it was actually freezing cold at that location and um it ed and i decided that we should do our stunt sequence ourselves even though we had stunt people on set Hmm. and um we we were fighting it out for about six or seven hours. We we were punching it out through lunch and you know uh, climbing all over each other and trying to smash each other in the face, slap each other in the face. It was a bit of, of Laurel and Hardy in there. I don't know if you saw that one. They're slapping each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was that was the most grueling day on the set. And because of Dad uh, not liking the, the the fight scene so much, I had to you know cut out three minutes of it. <laughs> So speaking of dad, now when it comes to sex scenes or nudity, what does dad say about that? Um, it's so mortifying. So I showed him <laughs> it's more it's mortifying. So I showed him the movie on my iPad when I was back in Scotland, but every time there was kissing or girls kissing or sex scenes or any of that sort of thing, you I fast would just forward. Yeah, I was. I would just turn the iPad. And, uh, 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 <laughs> Let's get through uh, this, Dad. Sorry. Messages here. Message. He said, "I don't mind. I know what I see in movies, Louise." I'm like, "It doesn't mean you need to see me doing it." And then I and then I kept pausing the movie at the beginning. I'm like, "Dad, I'm so sorry that there's so much vulgar language. It's it has a purpose. There's a purpose to it. It it, it it's it's you know." <laughs> It's part yeah. of her literary mechanics. It's to show that she's such a terrible person and blah, blah. And he said that he was not pleased with how vulgar the language was. But um, anyway, yeah. the type that we haven't even said the title of the movie. And so probably people are listening going, what movie is this? Because it sounds awesome. <laughs> it is. I, me, yeah. To, to circle back to around to the intro, it's me, you, madness it's almost kind of like a question you guys define it in one of the scenes actually you 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 look him in the face you go me you madness like are you kidding are you crazy like are you crazy (laughs) me and you that's yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, i'm I'm pretty sure it was a terrible title because um everyone seems to remember it as you me madness i'm like no 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 it's me you madness and they're like what difference does it make i'm like well how are you going to find it if you don't get the title right right? so speaking of you want to watch it's streaming on peacock it's also um available on um itunes amazon. and amazon and you can yeah. go to me madness.com to watch the trailer if you're slightly enticed by all the new yeah. juicy violence and um spider eating and aston martins and all the other juicy stuff that's in this <laughs> yeah you definitely plugged all the good stuff people want to watch so yeah you've got you've got drugs you got sex you got fast cars fast woman fast dude 
you know, but uh, beautiful locations, beautiful locations. What was that? That house that very it just looks it looks like a. it almost looks like this con concrete freight train sitting on a on a hill. It's very modern and, and sleek and long and slender. Like it's pretty cool. I- I had seen it in a movie years and years ago, and I spent weeks searching online trying to find the film. Mm-hmm. And I finally found it, and then I finally figured out where the location was. But um, it's it's a gore- it's a beautiful it's a beautiful property. Um, so day seven of filming, we were about to film the scene with uh, uh, Xu Chang, who plays Yu Yang and um the dinner sequence and the fire department rolled up and said you need to evacuate and so i was like oh my god i've uh, uh, evacuate we're in the middle of filming a movie so we didn't go back we couldn't go back for four months it was the wolsey fires so everyone in that neighborhood got evacuated and um we didn't we didn't know if our set had burned down um for six weeks i learned to big lesson as a producer about getting enough um, force majeure uh, insurance because you never imagine there's going to be like a zombie apocalypse or, you know, tsunami or fires, but there it was. And um, we had to evacuate so quickly that we actually left um, several very, very expensive um, camera lenses and dollies and other equipment on the property because the fire department wanted us out immediately. And so we had to obviously pay to rent all all of that equipment for the six weeks that we couldn't retrieve it. Um, And it was really devastating, actually. It was was very heartbreaking because, you know, forget the movie. It was when we went back, um, pretty much every single house in the neighborhood had burnt down except for this one architectural house that we were filming at because Mm. they had such minimalist... um, uh, landscaping so there wasn't really a lot to go on fire and because the building was made of steel concrete and glass yeah. it didn't catch on fire from the embers there was actually some significant fire damage and um you know it it, it oh it's such a bummer i don't want to bum out your audience but anyway it was it was it was a tragedy for that for and especially for the animals they found a lot of animals on, in the swimming pools they've been trying to escape the heat But anyway, that's another thing. Like, how can we travel to the moon, invent iPhones, you know, cure cancer and everything else, but yet we can't get a handle on fires. Someone out there needs to invent something really brilliant to put Mm -hmm. these California fire, these fires out because it's just insane every year. And with global warming, it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, it's unfortunate. The culprit of California fire is usually just some idiot who went and, you know, sometimes a cigarette out of window. Yeah, or they do it on purpose. I mean, I remember the years that I lived in San Diego, the one that burned down Scripps Ranch. It, you find out later that, you know, they 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 did it on purpose when there was a no fire warning and they just they That's had no idea. Yeah, they had no idea what it was going to turn into, but they uh that's so insane. Actually, on, on this topic of these wildfires, what I'm trying to do at the moment is put together a coalition of people who can um, active, activate uh, to rescue animals. So, you know, a lot of um, a lot of there's a lot of horse ranches in all of these areas that, that end up burning down. And it's always an emergency trying to get the horses out and other farm animals and so on and so forth. So I'm trying to put together a coalition of people who care about animals and have trucks and can mobilize um you know almost like a, a almost like you know an, an action network of people who can help in the event of fires but 
Yeah, that's cool. I think that's a great cause because, yeah, they they have no place to go. We've built a lot of areas out and forced them in further away from the coastline. And then when the, then when it, they're caught between concrete and fires, you know, fires. is really what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. But um, but anyway. Yeah. Yes. Um, OK. So, you know, this movie, obviously, I was entertained by. I loved it. Um, it. There, there's an there's a there's a scene and it's probably the last little scene piece we'll talk and then we'll kind of step back and look at you from more of a macro approach but the uh the the freezer scene okay you're naming off ms13 okay you've got all these dead dudes in your freezer <laughs> and you're like ms13 murder and then he's like Ironic, right? Because you're right, murder. murderer. Um, <laughs> but I thought the part was interesting, and this is kind of touching on politics a little bit, is you stop for a moment and you say, Republican politician. <laughs> and then there's this long pause, and it's almost like you're hinting towards something. Well, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it was a little bit of, again, that self-deprecating silliness and humor. I mean, people yeah. that watch the movie probably know that I'm married to Stephen Mnuchin and probably know maybe know that Steven Mnuchin worked in the Trump administration. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, um, and so, you know, when you're in the eye of the storm, um, which I felt I was quite frequently um, constantly getting myself in trouble doing stupid things, um, you know, it, it, it seemed, it seemed um, proper in, in a farcical anti-plot. It seemed, yeah. It's, it seemed improper to completely ignore the, the that fact because, um, it, you know, it's funny, you know, it is, we are in this country um, in such political upheaval and such turmoil and really divided right down the middle. I mean, half of, half of the country is Republican and the other half is very Democrat. I'm actually, I'm Switzerland. I stay the hell out of it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't support either party really. Um, and so, I mean, I do, I, I, I have different beliefs and ideologies, but, you know, I, I keep them to myself. They're personal, they're private. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm not really a political animal. Um, but I thought it was funny to, to, because, you know, in Hollywood, especially, right. It was a diff, it was, a, it was a time where Hollywood was very outspoken about their dislike for Donald Trump. So yeah. I thought it would be funny to say uh Republican. And then I and then I then there's a big <laughs> there's a massive pause and that actual reaction from Ed Westwick was a real reaction because I just threw it out there and he wasn't expecting it. So his his reaction where he sort of like pauses and doesn't know what to say and starts giggling was a real reaction. And then I followed up with Democrat to be fair. Then I followed up with independent. So yeah. I mean I really wanted to just make sure I and then I also said um hashtag fake news and um you know a mil a million other ridiculous things. But again, it's a parody. It's just intended to make people to to make people laugh. Yeah, it definitely is funny. And then at the same time, it kind of me go, what you, I wonder who she's talking about. <laughs> who, who would who would she kill if she had? Who an would she? <laughs> but, you know, I hope you realized in that scene, though, how absurd it is that she could possibly have that many dead bodies. Of in course. That in that teeny yeah. weeny freezer. <laughs> you had a little. Yeah, it's a little uh, deep freezer in the garage. And, yeah, uh, you can hold maybe one one chopped one dead up. body. But it yeah. it's, it's, it, there's hundreds of guys in there, just yeah, millions yeah. of them. You know what? Maybe she ate maybe she ate them you know maybe uh, yeah. there's small pieces left yeah you know, i mean you, you you have yet to mention that she's also a cannibal 
That's the other piece. Yes, you, uh, you, you, you're a cannibal, and you like to discreetly feed testicles to your next victim. And that that part of the movie too is obviously obviously entertaining. Which leads me to this question. Okay, which elements and personality traits mirror the real you? Are there any in there that Catherine Black and then you? <laughs> My brother watched it and he's like, oh, so it's you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty um, good assessment. I would say um, specificity, attention to detail, flirtatiousness, um, uh, an interest in the, the world beyond myself. Um, um, she's gender fluid. I'm not going to go there. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> she's uh she's bisexual i'm not gonna go there um she's a lot of, she's a, no so she's uh i think that she's you know if you have a little angel on your shoulder and a little devil on your shoulder she's a little devil on my shoulder that's um that has a that has a wicked sense of humor and is naughty and uh, capricious and um wild and silly but no i mean i i wanted catherine to be like this very archetypal femme fatale you know mm-hmm. i've always been i've always been fascinated by by that archetype and it was it was really created in the golden age of cinema and these women were always two or three steps ahead of all the men like if you look at um, barbara stanwick in double indemnity or um or uh, gloria swanson in um sunset boulevard uh it's those movies were re- really inspirational to me uh there's an amazing movie from 1945 that you should watch called leave her to heaven starring gene tierney who is hands down except for maybe hedy lamar the most beautiful woman i've ever seen by the way i noticed on your last podcast you asked blondes or brunette i think it's very sexist that you've not asked me if i like blondes or brunette. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, well, uh, let's throw it in Burnett there. Bonds, Burnett. The Burnett. Oh, okay. Burnett. Answer. All right. <laughs> and is that because your husband is a brunette, or um, are we talking about females? Um, I, I'm. I mean, I'm just talking across the board. <laughs> I'm talking across the board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I found, I found, you know, Jean, between Jean Tierney and Hedy Lamarr, I definitely have a girl crush in there somewhere. Yeah. No, I get it. I think. Uh, I think it's one of those. I think women, men alike can all always appreciate the beauty of a woman and it doesn't really have to be related to sexuality, you know, especially if a woman thinks another woman's hot. Right. Right. You know, what's so funny, like, is that I remember it was one of the studios rejected my film and it was two young female executives and they said, we're rejecting this movie because it's misogynist. And I was like, how can it be misogynist if it's written and directed by, by a woman and starring yeah. a woman? And actually, there was a lot of there was a lot of um, subtle female empowerment in, in the film, and not and not so subtle female empowerment in the film. And just because Catherine Black is a woman who appreciates beauty and um, aesthetics and appreciates and you know, as a director, in some ways, I have male gaze because I mean, and I don't think that's a, necessarily a bad a bad thing. I find women beautiful i find the human form beautiful i find men beautiful and um and i'm not really af- afraid of that i'm not ashamed of that and um so you know anyone that says that they're not a a, a voyeur of the human form is 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 fibbing because that's part of our biology it's part of who we are as human beings so yeah yeah i'm with you i think it i think uh all hot-blooded men definitely appreciate a hot-blooded woman, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> more 
with founder, owner, producer of Storm Chaser Productions, Louise Linton, after the break. Okay, now stepping back a little bit, let's get into you and some of your other accomplishments. Um, Let's start with, you know, Storm Chaser. You know, you've put together a production company, an independent production company, and uh, you've put together, obviously, uh, this movie, Me, You, Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, what else are you working on? Or let's back up. What what inspired you to start your own production company and then start building your own movies? I just wanted to be a content creator. I, I felt very... Um, I felt very limp and unempowered being an actress walking into auditions and seeing that you're sort of like this homogenous person that's one of 15 or 20 other blondes standing there competing for a role, playing a damsel in distress. I wanted, um, I, I dreamed of being able to um, produce and, and select the content that I wanted to create and um, <clears throat> to, to feel more empowered. And that's really why I went to law school. I mean, when I was 25, I started trying to produce movies, but really at that time, no one took me seriously. They're like, you know, we hadn't had the whole women empowerment movement back then. And um, women were still not sort of given the same level of respect and platform as producers as they are today. And so I was like, screw this. I'm going to go to law school because basically as a producer, you realize that every aspect of filmmaking touches the law, whether it's employment law, union law, labor law, um, contract law, uh, you know, basically every single thing that you do as a filmmaker, whether it's, you know, hiring an attorney to represent your film and to do all your documents, it requires a contract. Then you hire an actor that requires a contract. You uh, rent a a, a location that requires a contract. You hired a ch- child actor that requires a contract. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to law school, educate myself so that I can feel like I, I'm actually weaponized walking in to, to this and um, understand uh, understand it all and give myself some time to mature. And then hopefully I'll be able to graduate law school and then start the company that I dream of starting. So um, I named the company Storm Chaser Films because um, my brother is a big adventure guy and likes to do um, outdoorsy challenges to raise money for charity. And one time I went home to Scotland and I saw this tiny little dinghy boat uh, in our yard and he had put on the side in blue electrical tape quite ironically I thought the storm chaser and, yeah. I, thought, and I thought that's so funny because like I'm this little teeny producer starting out in this huge tumultuous ocean of Hollywood and you know with the aspiration to cross the sea so to speak so um it's a big name but a small it's a big name for a small company and i and i thought thought that was that was very akin to the little dinghy yeah well i i i think i don't know about you but when i watch a movie and at the beginning there's all of those production company what do they call those little promos right or whatever those little Uh, so there, what is that there, called? That's opening credits and it's called your title sequence or or, or your animated logo yeah, the animated, animated logo. Right. We see we're all we're all very familiar with like back in the day 
Jerry Bruckheimer, lightning bolts and stuff coming out of the sky, or or the lion roaring, or the lion roaring. Yeah, that's probably the or most the famous. The statue holding the uh, yeah. yeah, Paramount, right, or the mountain, mm. the mountain. Yeah, the Paramount. Yeah. So yours, yours is. I mean, you had to have been proud of that, right? I mean, I thought it was cool. I was like, that's the first thing I noticed was this storm chaser, and and, and at that point, I didn't know that that was yours, right? At, when I watched the movie, it wasn't until later when I started reading about all your accomplishments that I realize oh okay she's got that that, but that was that little graphic piece just for me i was like oh that's actually kind of cool storm chaser and it's got the storm and the the water on the lens and everything anyway Ah, i love i love that you noticed that thank (laughs) you because it's funny how much how much time goes into making even something teensy like that and i I bet i was honored because um a fabulous composer harry gregson williams uh, agreed to do the score the opening sequence for me, uh, yeah. which normal, which under normal circumstances would cost a lot of money, but he did it as a favor. So shout out to him. Thank you, Harry. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Storm Chaser, you went through law school so that you would know the dynamics and be able to stay ahead of probably every other issue out there. And it kind of leads me, I'm kind of curious. You had a lot of guns on set and we know that we've had this gun issue yeah. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you had a lot of weapons. So, um, many. so, so, what is your take on, you know, this the Alec Baldwin issue on set? You know, unfortunate, uh, you know, shooting. You know, it it it's so sad. Um, well, coincidentally, I had literally just wrapped a movie opposite Billy Baldwin, right? And I had learned through our conversations obviously how close that family is and how much they love one another and um and i've always admired the baldwins a great deal i think that they're all great talents and have so much character and are so brilliant and i've got to say working with billy was was such a privilege he's such a nice kind man and um a, a very loving family man and we've stayed in touch um so it's sort of as we had just met and just worked together it really i thought you know this tragedy impacts so so many people um you know everyone that was on that set will remember that always and 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 sadly for alec obviously he's going to wake up every morning for the rest of his life and and realize that this tragic event occurred and that's going to make him very sad and it's going to make his family very sad and obviously um you know the 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 family of the uh, cinematographer have lost an extraordinary woman and a mother and it's i don't know how it happened i don't know how it happened because on any set that i've ever been on including the one by the way with um with billy we had we had weapons on set but Typically, um, the assistant director and the weapons master and armorer will say, you know, quiet on the set. Um, they'll they'll hold the weapon and they'll say this is they'll announce what it is, whether it's real or whether it's fake. And they will give everyone an opportunity to examine the weapon and to look and make sure that they feel safe um, having this particular weapon on set. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, in my movie, we had a chainsaw, we had a hedge trimmer, we had, yeah. we had glass breaking, um, curling irons flying. I had nunchucks. I had a crossbow, um, a, a yeah. sword. The sword actually ended up on the cutting room floor, sadly. Um, I mean, I actually literally can't list all the weapons that we had. We had so, so, so many, but in every single event, even with a silly curling iron, my 
props and weapons master and assistant director would announce to the set, you know, the actress will be holding this item. It will be swinging in the air. Please step off the set. Please move to a, a distance that's safe. Um, and so I, you know, I just don't know how, I just don't know how that happened. It, it, it's totally mystifying to me. And as an actress, every time that I've been on a set with weapons, I, I mean, it's it's nerve wracking having a gun pointed at you, even if you know that the gun is not even real. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you know this obviously with your history oh, yeah. in the military. Yeah. You've probably been up. You've obviously had a huge amount of experience with weapons. But um, on on the film that I did just finished um, called Out of Hand with Pearson Foday and Billy Baldwin, uh, there was a scene where I had a gun pointed at my head, and they stopped and they said, "Listen, everybody, you have an opportunity to look at this. This is not a real weapon. It's fake. It doesn't. It doesn't operate. There is no." there is no bullets there's nothing in this thing and i even though i've been told that i really wanted an opportunity to look at it myself and that's that's typical that's normal so something obviously it seems as though they were um they were rushing and there were crew issues and everything else but what a tragedy it just it it's certainly shaken the entire business um and i think that you know, these accidents do happen. Actually, the uh, weapons master on my film um, that I just finished had a huge amount of experience. And he's sort of, I think, in his 60s and has been doing this for 40 years. And I texted him and I said, how does this happen? Like, how could this have happened? And he said, well, don't forget, I got shot in the face 30 years ago and he still has bits of, but you don't really hear about it if stunt people get injured. You hear about it if actors and you know cinematographers get injured and it's i think that it's it's certainly people will be practicing a lot more safety on set going forward as they should and i think it's just sad for for everybody that whole situation yeah yeah i'm with you there's some points you brought up that i agree with one pointing a gun at someone even for us in training if you don't feel like that is fucking strange or weird then you you probably just you, you've never done it because right. there, I don't I don't know a seal that even in training where you go for, you know, there's a moment even though you know it's simunitions you know that you've done all the safety briefs and you've gone through and everyone has checked every single weapon and you make sure there's not a live round anywhere in sight or even near where you're using simunitions or you know you know basically these little paint bullets paint rounds right. um, it still feels wrong when you're doing in training i mean you're doing it because it's going to make you better and you you want you want real people on the receiving end and real people shooting back at you because that's what's going to make you better in combat um but there's not a there's not an operator on the planet that won't tell you that it's when it's your own guys and you're doing it like that it still feels a little bit odd pointing that gun downrange at someone that's your that's your buddy <laughs> it, it really does yeah. actually and as an actress obviously even in me madness there's a scene where, you know, and you see it very commonly in film where the, the person pointing the weapon is pointing it toward the lens. And, and, and that happens also in Me Madness. So it explains, you know, how, you know, possibly how um, the, the cinematographer and the director were hit because obviously they were next to the lens. Um, but I felt very uncomfortable pointing the, the fake gun um, in in me madness at Ed Westwick, and obviously he had an opportunity to look at the weapon and to know that there was nothing in it, and um, it's crazy. But on that topic, I, I feel like your listeners don't get enough of an opportunity to hear a little bit about you. And <laughs> I really, I feel like I've listened to I've listened to uh, you know your show, and I mm-hmm. and I think 
I think actually your audience would really appreciate learning just a tiny bit about what it was like being a seal. <laughs> Come on, give us, some, um, give us a couple. No, of it was like, yeah, okay. My my experience was uh, was pretty unique. It was cool. I got to, you know, I went through Bud's class two hundred three, which uh, you know was in ninety six ish, and then went to SEAL Team three and got to spend time at the NSA, and then finished my career on the East Coast at uh, Development Group. You know, and uh, anyway, it was. Uh, I got lucky. I got to do the combat thing, but I also got to do more of the clandestine covert side of the house, pretty much an even split. Um, and it's the last part of my career most people are interested in. Unfortunately, you know, I can't really get into the details of it, but all classified. Well, I, I, you know, what's funny is when I, when I built the right kind of crazy, um, and I, I too used a little bit of the American psycho kind of stuff to build the right kind of crazy um, because I feel like that's what you need in order to, you know, kind of go into special operations anyway. But um, they, the beauty of it is the government redacted a hundred pages and that's a lot when you, when you write a book. I mean, we had to basically do a complete rewrite uh, once we got the manuscript back from the Pentagon and they sat on the, on that manuscript for a year. And then, uh, when we finally got it back, you know, we were able to still turn it into something. Is this, um, is this a hundred deadly skills? No, no, that's th that book. Those books actually did really well. The right kind of crazy. Which uh, I'm going to go and buy hundred deadly skills. <laughs> yeah. So deadly can, skills. So I can put them in my next movie in my, in my, uh, in my, uh, Next, there you go. Next Captain Black sequel. <laughs> Dude, that would be awesome. I, actually, I'll just send you some if you want them. But uh, <laughs> the um, yeah. The, anyway, the book is great because it kind of tells you all this stuff. But then you see the redacted. I left all the redacted crap in there so that people could then kind of piecemeal, you know, what I did later, kind of together. But yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. So there you go, listeners. Uh, at the request of. Uh, Lewis Linton, we uh we got it we got some uh, Clint stuff in there. <laughs> I love it. It's fascinating. You're, I mean, like I said at the beginning, you're much more interesting than I am. I mean, no, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but thanks. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So now the you you basically you formed your own company. How many movies have you done now? Is this one, two? Um, let's see. Um, I, my first movie was, in, was Intruder. Intruder, yeah. Intruder, that was another sort of like dark, dark film. I've seen that one. Yep. I'm all about <laughs> yeah. those. I, um, I, I, I saw that then, one a while back. Um, um, Six Below, Miracle on the Mountain, we executive produced. Um, The Midnight Man, we executive produced. I just executive produced a movie that's coming out next year called um, Escape the Field. Um, it's hard sort of to remember without having my uh, bio in front of me. Um, yeah, no, that's but, cool. Um, no, we've been involved in, in lots of movies. Um, I'm another movie that's coming out soon called Serial Dangerous Anonymous and um, Me Madness. And um, I'm currently working on um, developing a movie that is a bit like a female revenant. Um, and I'm also developing two TV shows at the moment. I'm kind of trying to pivot towards television because I think that's sort of where it's at at the moment. Um, as all of your listen listeners will agree, who are inevitably addicted to Netflix like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or the, the other, you know, dozen plus platforms you have to have a subscription to that all create their own great content. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know you, it's impossible to keep up. It's just crazy. Right. Uh, there's so many, there's so much good television out there. 
um, I feel like the movie business is sort of getting swallowed, swallowed alive. Yeah. And you got the big guy, Amazon and these other folks rolling in, just steamrolling what like like Apple, Apple should have, you know, like when you think of like, I always go back to the Apple piece, right? They were the, you right. know, you, ha you were able to download a movie or whatever before you went on a trip and then you could watch it. Right. Right. And they had the opportunity, the first mover in the market to build their own original content for literally years. And then they, now they're playing, I think now they're playing catch up. Right. I mean, but oh, they're, yeah. but they're doing it. I mean, if you think about the fact that Apple can, um, or Netflix is producing, I think around 60 movies in the next year and Warner brothers is making more like 20. It's, it's just insane the way that the business is shuffling. And that's something, yeah. something so interesting about, um, how exponential the, 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 the changes in this business, you, you can't even keep up with it. Um, crazy. So yeah, it's, it's wild, but, uh, really a ton of talent out there um i know that showrunners are like a very hard thing to come by these days because if you're a showrunner you are in demand and and for for me and the listeners as well showrunner what what is their i hear that term a lot but what are they what is their main job a showrunner is basically the person who runs the entire operation sometimes they'll direct the pilot episode they might direct several of the episodes they might not um they are the person that is the engine behind the TV show. And um, they're like the captain of the ship. They steer where it's going and um, they're responsible for, for the entire production. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Well, that's good to know. I've heard that term a lot and I always assume it's just somebody who's, I don't know. Killing Eve. Show that's what I was going to say. Killing Eve is a great show, for example. Oh, Killing um, Eve. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this is, I mean, I think we could continue to banter back and forth for hours, but uh, you don't have hours, so I don't want to waste any more of your time. Do you want to do this uh, survival scenario and see if you sure, survive this podcast? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. More with American Psycho Enthusiast, Louise Litton, after the break. So here we go. So for this scenario, you've taken a trip to a cabin in the woods. Oh, I'm scared. Now, our, our, our listeners have probably heard this beginning before, but trust me, it always changes. So um, you take the cabin to the woods to get some inspiration and work on your next film. All right? right. And while you're at the cabin, you decide to take a walk in the woods. All right. You bring a map of the woods with you. Would you actually do that in real life? Would you do you carry maps around with you? Sometimes. I did, I, did <laughs> last, right. I did last week when I was in Edinburgh because I was so embarrassed because my husband was asking me, like, what what's that, you know, monument? What's that thing? And I couldn't remember and I felt like a complete fraud. So um yeah. Last week last week I was carrying a map so that if I got caught off guard I could uh, quickly <clears throat> reference. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. <laughs> um okay, no, so you no start one carries maps because you've got your phone. I would take my That's phone. right. That's right. But we'll learn here in a second. Having your phone and also having a map as a backup, especially if you're going to go walk around in uncharted territory, is a good idea. Um, right. You start walking towards the entrance of the woods, and then you realize you've left your cell phone in the cabin. So first question, okay? Do you, A, continue on into the woods uh, to get your uh, inspiration without devices, or B, go back to the cabin and grab your phone just in case? B. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, why not? If you can have technology on your side, then you should and you should well, have I mean, it with it's you. It's like it's also just like sensible because use common sense. I mean, what happens if you get lost in the woods and you're like, oh, I should have just gone back and grabbed my phone. That way I could SOS and get help. 
Yes, you're right. There's always it's a it's a nine one one. It's a it's a text to a friend. Um, you know, a number of reasons. Um, okay, so good job. You uh, that's that is correct. You're you're taking time in the woods to unplug and, and get inspired, uh, and you kind of. The philosophy is, and most of us don't do it, but we say it all the time that, oh, yeah, I'm going to unplug. I'm not going to have any devices with me, and I'm just going right. to enjoy nature. But very rarely does that happen. Right. Um, you walk calmly through the woods for about an hour. Then you decide it's time to head back. So you start back in the direction in which you came uh, when out of nowhere a wild boar charges you. A boar, a big, mean pig, okay? Uh, so, do you A, kick the boar in the face, or B, quickly climb a tree? Quickly climb, climb a tree. Yes. Because I don't think you can kick a boar in the face. I mean, those things are like, they're like, <laughs> they're pretty it's, tough. like it's like saying, do you want to kick a grenade in the face? I mean, you you, you know, it's right. it's going to, it's going to prescribe, it's going to, yeah, if I want to break my legs, I'm going to try and kick a boar in the face. But also, remember, I'm an animal lover, so I'm going up the tree. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, the, the, the head and what they call the cape. You know, the front portion of a boar is like armor. I mean, you could right. shoot them and it's right. not going to do anything. So your kick is definitely not going to do anything. And no. they have big, mean teeth and they will just yeah. gnaw your oh, whole leg that away. Thing will, that thing yeah. will, yeah. Mm. So, yes, you, 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 you pick the right one, climb a tree. You just got to make sure you climb six feet or more because they've been known to get up on their hind legs you know, and, and they're obviously their front legs would be on the, the tree, their hind legs. And, down, and so. those are, I mean, I have been, I've been swimming with pigs yeah, in, yeah. The in the Bahamas. And those pigs are similar to boars in that they're very large and that they've got very, very thick, tough, you know, hooves. Yeah. And, um, and they were quite, they were quite scary, actually. It wasn't the most fun swimming experience I've ever had, but um, the little ones were cute. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Great experience. And uh, yeah, gives you a slight lesson in survival, knowing pigs. Um, all right. So you are correct, of course. You're doing really well here. Um, the boar gets bored of you and leaves you alone while you hang out in the tree. Right. You climb down the tree, but you slip, you tumble down a steep incline. Okay. You slide down the incline and splash into a river rapids it, at the it's bottom. It's a ravine. Oh my gosh. It's a ravine. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's a river. It's roaring. Uh, and now I'm you, in it. Uh, you end up in the shawl uh, in the middle of the river. Yes. Right. So do finished. you, do right. you A, dive into the water and swim for land, right? Like kind of go under or whatever. Um, or B, locate a long stick. It's gotten stuck up against where you're at and use it to walk across. Wait, so how deep is this water? And am I really swept up in it? Is there an undercurrent? I mean, get me a bit more specific here, please, Clint. Yeah, you're not you're not in it. You've kind of fallen down this incline to the edge of a roaring river, but you need to right. cross. So you I can need to cross kind the of river. try and so I either use a long stick to navigate through the water right. or, or what was the other option? Just dive in and swim for it. Um, well, there's a lot of different variables here. So <laughs> if it seemed that the river was not moving at a rapid pace and it was kind of just a meandering river, I might, I might swim, but then there's the possibility that you're going to get freezing cold. Um, 
Can mm-hmm. I go for option C, build a raft and not? <laughs> yeah, no, you got to pick one or the other. Dive okay, in gonna, or just I'm use I'm not going to dive right in. I'm going to use this. Wait, hang on. There you go. I'm going to use the stick. Yes. You, I'm going to use the stick. It's basically a third leg, right? And you want right. when to, you, when you cross any kind of rapids and you know you have to, you one, when there's rapids, it's usually shallow, right? That's why they're as rapid as they are. But you want to make sure that you do it in the right way, which means you're kind of facing into the current and you're using that third stick or that stick as a third leg. And now you can kind of shuffle step across facing into the current so you know what's coming at you. And then you can cross across, right? So you're kind of, you're, 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 you're basically, you're perpendicular. Um, you're not walking straight across like you would a, a street, for example. Uh-huh. Um, you're okay. shuffling across facing the current. Can I ask you one? Can I ask you one? Okay. This is based on my childhood memories. (laughs) When you see your friend or brother or sister um, go through ice on a pond, do you A, run out onto the ice to help them, or B, find a very long ladder and place it upon the ice (laughs) and gently idle across, distributing your weight evenly? Yes, B. I'm going to say B. use the ladder. Yes, and then. But what do you yeah. do if you don't have a ladder? Throw a uh, rope. Maybe. Uh, well, I mean, or a rope or a long branch. I mean, you got to find something that either a displaces your weight or two extends a lifeline to the to the person. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things you could you could find. Maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but okay. if there's Back. if there's nothing, then you lay down and you you have to creep your way out there. But like it's yes. like a starfish. Exactly. Get big. Yeah. Get big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. That's a good one. I like That's that. a good one. Get that. <clears throat> okay. Um, you are correct. Use your stick. You get across. All right. So the long stick acting as a third rig, you're, square, you're squaring your body off to the current, and you make your way to the river bank. Um, with all that adrenaline, you didn't feel the pain at the moment, and now you do. You have an injured leg, right? Mm-hmm. So do you, A, move quickly to find your way out? of the woods and get help or b address the wound address the wound that is correct moving quickly you actually sidebar i do actually have an injured leg at the moment (laughs) i stupidly went down a set of spiral staircases in the pitch black right before i shot this movie and um and i missed the bottom two steps like an absolute moron and uh so i've got a a really badly sprained ankle but i went ahead and shot, shot the movie anyway so Okay. Continue. Just, just remember rice. Okay, rice. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, your doctor probably told you all about it. Um, rest, elevate, right. ice, uh, incline. Yes, ice. It's rest, oh, ice, uh, no, compression, the other one is, uh, elevate. Compression. Got it. That's yeah. Right. There you go. Um, and let's see here. So yes, you, uh, you, you address the wound. You address the wound. You address it. Yes, and you want to make sure that it's not bleeding. Right. You don't want to bleed out. Uh, or you I get need your to do leg. a tourniquet or That's I need right. to do something. Yeah. Yes. So you get your leg stable. Mm-hmm. Um, you now consult your map to figure out where you're at. Good thing you yep. bought it. According to the map, you can make your way up the incline and find your way back. Mm-hmm. But that is about a quarter mile back to safety. Or you can take the long way, which is flat ground, a little bit easier on your leg, but it's a half mile. So, do you A, go up the incline for a quarter mile, or B, take the flat route a half mile? Oh, 
I don't know why I feel like you're going to say that B is correct. Um, <laughs> well, maybe that's because you've B got is a good, good cut. It. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, l- let's face it. You just can't. You just tumbled down the incline because there was a bore, and so I mean, you've got multiple obstacles and threats. The, so, right, and I've got a hurt ankle, so and or you've got a leg ankle, or so. a tourniquet leg or whatever. Yeah, that's right. So now. Right. You've got a stable leg. You don't want to make it worse. So going the extra quarter mile is probably a good idea. So good job. Um, As you proceed the flat route, you come across several dead human bodies. Okay. Do you investigate the bodies and check them for IDs and maybe a functioning cell phone? Or B, get the fuck out of there. Get the fuck out of there. There you go. Because we recommend you keep moving on this one. Only because it's our scenario and we get to drive it however the hell we want. But there are several reasons not to mess with the dead bodies. I will agree. I would agree that searching them and seeing if there's any tools that could help you is probably a good idea. I mean, it depends how many days you've been out in the woods, right? It depends on your (laughs) level of desperation. After six months, you might bloody eat them. But yeah, if it's day one, I'm I'm not going near them. Right. You, uh, you're now approaching the edge of the forest and you're not that far from the cabin. So let's just, you know, maybe keep moving. Yeah. Um, and which is a great idea because even though, even though you're out of the woods, you're not really out of the woods yet. Right. Right. You're, uh, you're approaching the cabin. You're about 30 feet from the cabin when you hear a groan. Okay. Oh God, it's bare. Uh, you look back and those dead bodies are now reanimated and appear to be zombies coming towards you. So do you, a, run towards the back of the cabin where your car is parked, which is about 60 feet, or B, get inside the cabin, which is about 30 feet away. Run to my car, get in the car, start it, if the keys are in there. You just, yep, you just kind of answered your own wrong answer. Nope, the keys aren't in there, so no, I'm going, I'm going <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to... Where I'm, are the keys? I'm, you know They're what I'm probably... going to do? I'm going to re- reanimate my cats in black and kick the shit out of those zombies. <laughs> there you go. Go into. Yeah, you know pull. what? I'm just, I'm going to. I'm just going to kick the shit out of them. Go into. Yes, I agree. That would be a good. I'm going to find a spade and like take one's head off. Take their head spade, off. Spade. That's, that's find what they an say. Axe, and then I'll just, you know, I'll just, I'll just kill them. Just kill them. <laughs> and then I'll kick yeah. them and eat them like cats. Yes. There you go. I like it. Um, zombie for dinner, anyone? Uh, so, yes, you kind of answered the question with the wrong answer. But, yes, you got to go to the cabin because you need your keys. Right. Okay. So, you uh, – all right. So, now you go to the cabin, which was only three right. feet away. You close the door just in time. Um, and do you, A, search the house for weapons or, B, barricade the door? Um realistically in if I were actually in this scenario I would attempt to first barricade the door yes and and number 2 I'd start searching for weapons There you go yeah you got to keep them out long enough so that you can you know, get yeah. prepared. And like the reason this. we bring this up. with common sense. I like this. Yes, exactly. And and also it, the goal is, is it applies to everything, right? You got a bad guy right. chasing you, not necessarily zombies. Barricading the door gives you time. Time gives you options. Options increase survivability, which is always the goal. Um, we want to survive these crazy events that we could face. Uh, so now you block the door and you do it right. Okay. There's a right and a wrong way to block in a door. People think stacking stuff up against the door doesn't really work because if they kick the door hard enough, the stuff falls and now they can get in. So what you want to do is line everything up more linear. 
You want to put a chair in front of the door and then put another chair in front of the chair and then another chair in front of the chair and then a table in front of the chair. And anyway, you're creating this long line of stuff from the door to the opposite wall. The wall then, the opposite wall then becomes Becomes the the doorstop. The load-bearing object. Look at you with all that smart talk. Okay. Um, So, yes, and now nobody can get in the door. So you do it correctly, all right? And uh, you're being very proactive, which is great. Uh, so now you block the door, you find a baseball bat and you grab the keys. So do you next hide inside the house and hope the zombies go away and don't get in or B make a calculated escape out the back of the house and rush for the vehicle? B. Yes. You get the keys, you got your bat and you can, you know, put on your best Catherine black outfit and go for it. Um, so you decide to be Catherine would dress for the occasion. (laughs) Yes, she would. Pause everything. I need an outfit change. Yes. Yeah. I noticed that. Yes. (laughs) uh, It was good. Um, and I've got to say there was a lot of different styles going on there, but they were all, uh, good to go. Um, okay. So you decide to be proactive rather than waiting and getting, being a sitting duck, right? Right. Um, you make a run for it. And you uh, head to the car. Before you get to the car, you encounter a couple of zombies, which you bash in the skull with your baseball bat. Right. Um, now you've made it into your vehicle. You floor it. You mow down a couple of zombies as you speed uh-huh. away, which mm-hmm. is probably pretty fun. And you didn't put that. What did you put? You didn't put that part in your movie. You should have. Um, I didn't. I didn't. But, you know, I have a zombie mowing vehicle. I actually have a Ford um, F-150, a Raptor. So nice. I would be in my raptor which i call you know the zombie destroying vehicle and i would definitely mow through them yes i like it the raptor is a good that's a good that's a badass vehicle um okay so last question all right do you a get on the highway and don't stop driving until you're far far away from town or b go to a nearby military base that you notice as you're driving by as you're driving out of there i'm um I would say that um, I don't know if the uh, zombie apocalypse emanated from the military base. That's right. So I don't know if there's zombies in there, mm-hmm. and I don't, and I want to get further away. So I'm gonna floor it. That's it. You're gonna skip the base, and you're gonna keep on going because the last thing you want to do is run into zombies with rifles <laughs> and body armor, right? And helmets, right? Because supposedly you got to hit them in the brain, kill them in the brain, shove a knife in the brain, something you got to do to the brain, right, in order to right. uh, kill these things, according right. to uh, according to uh, what Hollywood? These uh, the scientists. <laughs> <laughs> the scientists, yes. <laughs> um, so yes, just in case the base was infected. Uh, yeah, you just want to get away from humans, period. Right, right? generally. Mean, and keep on going. So, Circa congrats. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going into 2022 with a new variant. Whoa, and Another fabulous new, new variant is coming yes, out. It's so, yes. I mean, maybe, I'm, I'm desperate to get my booster. Did you get your booster yet? I haven't gotten a booster. I mean, I've had COVID already, and I got the antibodies. And then I, this time around, I'll probably uh, get the vaccinations and all that. I just wanted to wait and tell my antibodies. So I right. feel like, yeah. you know, the antibodies you create from having COVID are much more powerful than the ones that are, right. you know, provoked. Problem by... for me is I've not caught COVID. So yeah. um, I'm like, shoot me up. I'm like pro, just shoot me up. Give yeah, me, yeah. Give, give me all the vaccines. Give me them all. 
jab me left and right with all these uh, needles. I'm fine. I want to, I want to get yeah. vaccinated. I want my booster because, you know, they, I've got so many friends that are like, you know, have had horrible cases of COVID and ended up in the hospital. I'm like, oh. Yeah. I, you know, I don't like you, I don't get into the politics behind it and being in the military. It's funny. Some of my buddies are very much like not, you know, Hey, I'm not doing the vaccine. Me, I personally just don't give a shit, you know, one way or another about it. Right. It's it, for me, I always compare like when we were in the military, we were taking anthrax and smallpox and vac vaccinations that are like probably far worse than, what, right, than, right. than, uh, than you know the covid one anthrax so I, I probably wouldn't sign up for probably <laughs> yeah no I, there I'm was a lot of out. and inside the military there was a lot of controversy at the time and i was a medic so of course i had to be a proponent of hey take it take it take it and i was actually right. administering these things oh my to god to guys in my platoons whether it was anthrax or smallpox or whatever we thought we were going to face overseas and uh so when it came when it comes to this i'm kind of like well you know i i don't I don't care one way or another. And the reason I hadn't done it yet was just pure laziness. I just haven't signed up and gone and done it yet. So I was like, then I got it. And then once I got the antibodies, I was like, well, hell, this is better than the shot itself. Um, How was it though? Did you, did you feel really ill when you had COVID? Uh, it, I tell you what I've had, I've had just about everything on this planet. And I would say that it wasn't the worst. What was annoying about COVID is how long it went. A really? lot of, yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of the disease processes I've had prior, um, you're talking about days of feeling like shit and then, okay, now I feel better. With COVID, it's a week or two. For me, it was two weeks of feeling like crap and then you feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like, too, is that it's smart in the sense that like it moved around my body, right? It moved around different places, almost looking for your weakness and then... Uh, if you're a healthy individual, then it'll never find that weakness and then you'll eventually get through it. But that's kind of right. how I felt. I felt like it was very, um, it, like it almost had a process of how it moved around my body, looking for something that it could inflame or make worse. And when it didn't find it, then it went away. Went away. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I'm no scientist or, you know, a virologist or whatever the hell they call it. But, and I, and, and personally, I just, you know, been sick so many times with other things. I just was like, well, whatever. I mean, if you get it, you get it. I'm a healthy individual. I feel like if you just stay healthy, then, uh, you know, yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the problems you could face with it, you know, aren't really problems if you're healthy. I'm a big believer in good health and making sure that I'm eating my fruits and veg and taking my vitamins and drinking lots of water and all of that. I think it's disease prevention. Yes, I agree with you. And oh, by the way, congratulations. You have survived this podcast. You did a good job on the scenario. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I want to say, hey, you know, give let's give our listeners a place to find you, find out more about you. What platforms are you most active on? Give us all your plugs. Um, I'm at Louise Linton on Instagram, not on Facebook. Um I only have a Twitter handle so that no one else takes it and acts like they're me. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, um, and, um, you know, uh, get off social media, everybody and read a book. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Um, so yeah, to, to, I, I want to say number one, thank you for coming on the show and taking the time out of your day. Really do appreciate it. Um, for those of you listening, you know, go look for Louise Litton on, on Instagram, go check out me, me you, madness on Peacock or Amazon or wherever you watch your favorite shows. Um, 
it really is. It's a it's a it's a good movie. For entertainment, sex, violence. I mean, you can't beat it. So, uh, uh, yeah, go check it out wherever you watch shows. That's for sure. And and thank you again for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. I had a good time. Thank you so so much, and thank you again for your service. Uh, not a problem. Thanks again, and uh, we'll. T- and for those of you listening, hey. Uh, keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest and be safe out there until next time. Can You Survive This Podcast is a production of Calvary Audio and iHeartMedia. Recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas. Produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 